We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Hello, and welcome to the Finding Peace Podcast. If you are a faithful listener and had been waiting for the next episode to drop, well, it's here finally. I went with my son to scout camp a week ago, and I was in a place where there was hardly any Wi-Fi, didn't have a phone that worked very well, and so I was just out in the woods with a bunch of boys. I was able to take a nap in the hammock a couple of times, and it was wonderful. What that meant, though, is that I didn't do any work for a week, which I haven't done in who knows how long. So I apologize for the delay in this podcast being dropped, but it's here now, and I'm super excited. Today, I am going to be interviewing Ali. Ali has a kind, approachable demeanor, and she uses a client-centered approach to create an emotionally safe environment with her clients. She does some things like Reiki. She is a life coach. She works on holistic wellness, and she has been a student in my Finding Peace for Healing Professionals program. And so she graciously was willing to be a guest on the Finding Peace podcast to use one of her experiences to walk through the Finding Peace worksheet. So without further ado, here is Allie. How are you doing? Better. So much better. Yeah. Yeah, so much better. I... The last few weeks, I've had some really positive experiences and started kind of going back into that vibration of, um, and the frequency of feeling like I'm worthy of love and belonging. Um, and it's really, really nice to kind of get back into that spot a little bit the last few weeks. And, um, I'm hoping to stay there for a little bit and next time I come out of it, get back there faster. Hey, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Well, Allie. I'm really excited that you're with me today. We are, this is season five of the Finding Peace podcast. I never thought in a million years I'd actually be doing a podcast, let alone a season five. But this season, we're doing something a little different, which is we're walking people through the Finding Peace worksheet. And so you are a little familiar with that already. You were asking me earlier, like, are there, are there questions I'm supposed to know? And uh, nope, it's just going to, we're going to just breathe and have fun together. So let's start out by you sharing with us a situation that you would like to have a little bit more peace, joy, or groundedness about in your life right now. Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, kind of pondering what I would like to process today. And 
Um, I would like to find a little bit more peace with some decisions that I made in the past and the ways that I feel about myself because of those decisions. Kind of more of an acceptance, if that makes sense. All right. So some decisions that you've made in the past that you want to find more peace about now. Yeah, exactly. Good. All right. So as we always do with the Finding Peace Worksheet, we always start out with the facts. The facts are something that if I were watching your life, I could see what you're talking about on a camera. And this section usually is only one to two sentences long, which helps us stay away from storytelling. It's just the facts. So as you think about some of those decisions that you've made in your life that you want more peace and joy about, and you were going to describe that in in, in, as if I were watching you make that decision on a camera, what would mm-hmm. I see you have done? Well, in February of 2013, I made the decision to have my total thyroid removed. All right. So the facts are your thyroid is no longer there. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so as you think about that fact, what attachment wounds does that bring up for you? Oh, well, it really brings up a strong sense of loss. Yeah. What do you feel like you've lost? Um, vitality. Vitality's, vitality is, is a huge part. Um, and then just the ability to have a, a whole healthy body. Mm. So with the thyroid being a pretty important organ in our body that helps modulate all kinds of hormones and all those kind of things. And that being gone, that really has created some difficulties in your health. It really has. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, not awesome. I mean, that totally sucks, but you're doing a good job. I feel you. And when, when that, when you think about that loss, what do you end up then believing about yourself as a result? And there's three genres to pick from. The I am genre has something to do with me. I'm not enough. I'm flawed. I'm defective. I'm bad. I'm useless, whatever. Trust or safety. I can't trust other people. The world doesn't feel safe. Or powerlessness. There's nothing I can do. So Mm. as you think about those three genres, is there one belief that tends to be a little louder than the other two? Yeah. It kind of falls into the I am genre and the belief underneath it is, wow, this is all my fault. Mm, This is all my fault. Mm -hmm. All right. So just kind of sit with that for a second. How long have you had a loss wound? Mm. A long time. Are we talking about the thyroid or in general? Any losses. Any losses? Um, I would say I'm I'm 35, so I would say about 30 years. Yeah, so about 30 years of your life you've had a loss wound? Yeah. And how much of that loss wound carries with it, that core belief that this is all my fault? All of it. Well, maybe not all of it, but um, the vast majority of it is, is the more correct thing to say, the vast majority of it. Yeah, it's all my fault. Mm hmm. 
On a scale of one to seven, seven being absolutely true, how true do you believe that to be the case right today, right now, that this is all your fault? Hmm. Today in this moment, on a scale of one to seven, I would say it hits right about the four in today. All right. So somewhere in the middle. Yeah. When your wound, when that lost wound really gets hit, when mm -hmm. things happen that bump up against that or, you know, you're seeing things that trigger it, does the belief feel more real or less real? More oh. true or less true? So much more true. Yeah. And then yeah. when that happens... What do you, how do you feel that in your body? We'll go there first. What happens in your body? A significant amount of the time when the loss wound is really stirred up, it will manifest as a panic attack in my body. Mm. And I mean, full on, full blown panic attack. Um, and that can be really scary and painful. If I were watching you have a panic attack, what would I see your body doing? Mm. You would see my body probably crying. You'd probably notice hyperventilation. You would probably see that it was uh, more difficult for me to breathe. Mm. Uh, my body would likely be shaking. Yeah. And uh, you, you may notice some other symptoms, but those are going to be kind of some of the more typical ones. Beautiful. That sounds really overwhelming. Yeah, it is. So what tends to happen, all of these, like when the wound is hit and the core belief gets activated, all that, that all happens within a nanosecond, really. It does. And then, and then your body is reacting to trauma because it's a trauma response, right? So it's, it's reacting to trauma. And you've said that it's something you've been dealing with for 35, 30, 30 years of your life. As that begins to unfold in our body we also feel some feelings so out of those core emotions that are there which core emotion do you feel like comes up for you the most hmm. lately i would identify most with anger hmm. so anger comes from a sense that something has been taken from you without your permission exactly so what do you feel was taken um my health feel like my, my health was taken from me and it's, I feel like it's something that I, I cannot get back and I'm pretty angry about it. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get that health back. Exactly. Yeah. So there's sadness with that too, because mm -hmm. sadness comes from a sense that I've lost something and it's not coming back. So anger that I feel like it was taken and sadness because I don't think it's going to come back. Exactly. And then quite honestly, there's a lot of fear that comes in because it's like, wow, you've lost your thyroid. And shortly after I, I lost my gallbladder and developed a lot of other chronic health conditions. And so the fear is, well, what else could happen? Mm. So the, that forebodingness of life of like, what else am I going to lose? Lost two yeah. organs already. Mm -hmm. Two down and that, that constant what if and what else can happen to your body it, it, it does cause me a significant amount of fear. Yeah, that sounds really, I don't know the right adjective. What, what, what adjective would you say that it is? Um, it feels foreboding. 
So as you're carrying that energy with you all the time, and maybe not all the time, but as you're carrying all this energy, this wound being hit, the core belief, this is all my fault, the anger, the fear, the sadness, your body is reacting in that panicky way. What's the energy that you're left with at the end of every day? Exhaustion. Exhaustion. And um, I tend to do um, what they might call self-imploding. So it tends to be exhaustion. And then my brain searches for any way that all of this is all my fault and comes up with a Ooh. lot of stories about how Ooh. if I only or if I didn't or if I did. And it, um, it can get really overwhelming and very dark very quickly when I go into those stories. Beautiful. It's like you know exactly where we're going when we have psychic powers. <laughs> because we call that, uh, I call those the shadows of shame, yes. right? Those voices in our head that show up trying to help us deal with all of this pain in really mal maladaptive and less than helpful ways. So I'm hearing that the judge shows up for you. Oh, she does. Yeah. What does she say? to you oh, she's mean and it's like she gets right in my face and says this is all your fault if you had only done this or if you didn't do that or if you could just and then it's just a a, a barrage of pretty harsh insults to be honest so if, if we had her in the studio with us today and she was speaking into the microphone what would she sound like Oh, well, she would sound, um, you know, very, very much like a very condescending, very judgy, very mean woman. You know? Stern. She older, young. She's harsh. Um, she's, oh, I would say she's probably middle-aged and harsh. Mm. The character from The Devil Wears Prada, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is that, is that her or is that not her? That. That's actually really funny and very dead on, you know, yeah. uh, and Miranda is quite unreasonable if you watch that movie. Oh, yes. And you know, when you have not pleased her, right? Oh yes, she, you do. She, she, she gives you that look that, that, so we got, we got the judge telling you, so specifically you you said some generalities, but specifically, what's on the list? Oh, she'll say, You made yourself sick. This is all of your fault. If you had made different life decisions, if you had asked for help earlier, if you had changed your diet, if you had lived authentically rather than hiding behind cultural conditioning and becoming a people pleaser, you wouldn't have gotten sick. So all of this illness is your fault. Mm. What does she think you should have done differently? Well, she thinks that I should have let go of my tendency toward codependency, which is kind of hypervigilant people-pleasing um, for anyone unfamiliar. She thinks that I should have um, changed my diet sooner because maybe if I did, I wouldn't have developed all the tumors in my body. Um, she thinks that I should have consulted with holistic doctors versus Western medicine to find ways to heal all the tumors in my body rather than believing the things that I heard from my Western medicine doctors at the time. Mm. 
So she has a lot of opinions about what you should have done. Oh, she does. All right. Who else is there besides her? Mm. Beyond her, the martyr is very present. <laughs> yep. Tell me about your martyr. Oh. You know, somehow, some way in my life, who knows what source it was? There's a lot of different possibilities it could have been. I developed the idea that to suffer was honorable. And somehow, it seems that the martyr will come in and have some feelings about that belief that I held that it was honorable to be suffer. It was honorable to suffer. Does that make sense? Yeah. For what does the martyr think you should be suffering? The martyr thinks that I ought to be exhausted and ought to be suffering from taking care of everyone around me, making sure that their needs are met, uh, putting them first, um, making sure that I'm tired all the time from being so good to all the people around me and making sure that I'm essentially all things to all people. So that what? Truthfully, it's to keep me safe because the belief is that if all people around me at all times are happy with me, then I'm going to be safe. Mm. And if all people around me are happy with me all the time, then I'm going to be wanted and loved and seen and accepted. So if we had your martyr on the show, what would your martyr sound like? She would. The first image that came to my mind is actually a personal hero of mine who has passed away, and I never got to meet, of course. Um, but the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of a very soft-spoken Mother Teresa. Mm. Very good. So she would say to you. She would say to me that it's going to be best for your life if you are all things for all people. And if you make sure to put them first, remember everything that they ever tell you. You must have a perfect memory. You must develop the ability to read others' minds and know what they want before they even ask for it. You must please them at all times. For if you do, you will get some love. You will finally be loved and adored. You must become a mind reader. You must anticipate people's needs before they even hint at what they are. And then you must fulfill you them that? spectacularly. Oh, no, not very. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a lot of pressure. It, it does, and it feels like a lot of pressure. When the shadow, the martyr shadow comes out, it feels like actual pain in my body from the amount of pressure there. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Are there any other shadows that show up? Those are the two main ones I see show up and totally open to your feedback if you're noticing some of the other four. And those are just the two that I'm, I notice the most. Um, I'm, I'm not noticing any others. The sense of there's nothing you can do would be the impotent one. Right. So I don't know if that one shows up at all. It does on occasion, that feeling of powerlessness, the feelings of uh, feeling trapped. Um. That's something I've been able to work through a lot, um, you know, with the help of professionals in different ways. 
in the past, though, it was a serious issue where I would have really significant panic attacks and I would be very afraid because I would feel very powerless and I'd feel that there was nothing I could do to ever change things and I would feel stuck and I would feel trapped in my body and it was absolutely terrifying. And these days I feel like I have enough coping mechanisms that that's not so much of an issue anymore, but it certainly was. All right. So you've learned how to become resilient to that one. Yes. That's beautiful. All right. So we have the judge and the martyr and they're standing there in front of you. And I just want you to close your eyes and imagine that the judge is talking to you, telling you all the things that you should have done better, all the things that needed to have been done differently. How come you can't go back in time and change all these things and should have and all these things. I want you to just imagine that you say to the judge, I see you standing there. I notice that you're talking to me. Mm -hmm. What wound or pain are you trying to prevent me from feeling by judging me so harshly? Just hear what it says. You know, there are several, and the very first one that comes up is abandonment. Mm. So how about explain what it means? Well, the judge is, I believe, actually, (laughs) in a way that I don't love, I actually believe that she's trying to help me from having the core wound of abandonment being stirred up. Because, you know, if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm perfect, she says, then I won't be abandoned. And followed right behind abandonment would be rejection. If I'm perfect, I can't be abandoned and I won't be rejected. So if you had the perfect body that worked completely well and there were no health problems, then nobody would walk away from you and nobody would reject you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I have a few wounds, um, primarily that have shown up in my, in my dating life, my dating experience where I've had the experience of feeling abandoned or rejected because of my health needs. And, um, it's pretty painful. I've um, also had the same experience, um, in, in, in some ways, uh, with, with certain jobs and employment, either having uh, jobs threatened to be lost or um, being passed over for employment because of some of my circumstances. And those are kind of the two areas that the abandonment and rejection um, because of health kind of come out the strongest. And those are areas where I notice the judge being louder in this area of my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it would make sense then that if it were possible to go back in time and change things, it would, at least from the judge's perspective, minimize the likelihood that you would be abandoned and rejected. Well, you yeah. Could just fix all those things. Yeah, if only. If I only had a perfectly healthy body, then maybe this relationship would have worked out. If I you know, only had a perfectly healthy body, maybe I would have gotten chosen for this job opportunity and then... So it's kind of that if only story from the judge, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Same process with the martyr. Just imagine Mm -hmm. that you see it standing there. 
and saying to it, I see you. You can acknowledge that you're there. What pain, what wounds are you trying to prevent me from dealing with by telling me that I have to be responsible for everybody else? The first one that comes up that I'm noticing right away from the martyr is loss. I've experienced a significant amount of loss in my life, and it's painful. And the stories that come from the martyr about why with a significant amount of these losses is the most painful part of all, though, to be honest. Mm. Can you say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've noticed with certain losses, losses that feel completely out of my control, out of my wheelhouse, ones that I don't blame myself for, the loss in and of itself is painful, and yet I can grieve and I can move forward with my life. For instance, I lost my grandmother three years ago, and we were very, very, very close, and it was very painful. However, I was able to move through that loss and come to a place of acceptance because there weren't any stories in there about from, from, from the martyr about, about her loss, if that makes sense. Whereas I think about some other losses in my life, and there's a lot of stories from the martyr about how, you know, the losses are, are my fault or I contributed to them or it's because I'm inadequate. And that can be really devastating. It can mm. feel really devastating. So the martyr and the judge really do like tag team you. They, oh, they do. It's, it's like they're besties. And typically when one shows up, the other is there, whether I'm aware of it or not. I usually come into that awareness at some point. You've been doing a beautiful job and you've been able to identify that they're there trying to help you. Absolutely. So as you imagine that they're standing in front of you, can you tell them thank you for trying to care for you in the way that they think is best and to offer gratitude for the reminder that you're hurting and that you need some compassion? I absolutely can. Okay, so judge, martyr, I see you, and I need you to know that you're welcome here, so come on in. Take a seat, stay a while. I love you and I accept you, and thank you for showing up today to show me where I have some healing that can take place. Breathe into that, and what do you notice? Hmm. I notice as I do this that there's less resistance in my body and my spirit. Hmm. And so that kind of, the lack of resistance seems to be mitigating some of the stress of the presence, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And how are the martyr and the judge responding? It's... It kind of reminds me of some of the imagery that Dr. Tara Barak uses. Um, and she talks about the judge, you know, she kind of invites the judge in for tea and to put, uh, to put the feet up on the table. And I kind of feel like I judge and martyr have come on in and they're sitting down, they're putting their feet up on the table and kind of slouching like, okay, here we are. And they're kind of settling in. And as they settle in, 
What does your body do? I'm noticing that the muscles, especially in my chest and my stomach, are starting to loosen up a little bit. Where do you feel the most relaxed? That's a great question. Let me feel into my body for a minute. I'm actually noticing the deepest sense of relaxation um, in both of my hands. So just breathe into that. If there was the energy in your hands had a color, what color would it be? You know, it's kind of um, kind of that blue-purple, kind of indigo color. And if it had a texture? It uh, kind of feels like crystal, like the texture of a crystal. And if it had a temperature? Mm, it's nice and warm in a beautiful, soothing way. I love warmth. So can you put those hands on your heart? Just hold it there with that energy. And then you're going to ask your body a question, not your mind, not the shadows. Allie, what is your new truth? My new truth here, in my heart, in my body, is that I am worthy of love and inclusion. I'm worthy to be loved and to be included. Breathe into that. I'm worthy of love and inclusion. Even without a thyroid? Even without a thyroid. Especially because I don't have a thyroid. <laughs> don't push it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, just kind of sit with that for a second. Okay. I don't have a thyroid. That's a fact, right? I yes. don't have a thyroid and I don't I have worthy. a thyroid and I'm worthy of love and inclusion. I am worthy of love and inclusion. Noticing as I breathe into that in my body that my shoulders are dropping farther and farther away from my ears into a deeper state of relaxation. Say your truth one more time. I am worthy of belonging, belonging, and inclusion. You know what? I want to add something. I am worthy of love, belonging, and inclusion. 
Yes, you are. Just breathe into that. And I'm noticing as I breathe into that, I am worthy of love, belonging, and inclusion. I'm noticing that it's a little bit easier to catch a deeper breath. So from this place of truth, there's a list of needs that are on the screen. What do you need? Oh, um, these are some really beautiful needs. And I guess at the moment, it kind of feels like I need safety, security, acceptance, and, and assurance. Like those are the ones that pop the most. Okay. So you need safety and security, assurance and acceptance. Yeah. Okay. So what's it like to just identify that those are your current needs? Um, it feels freeing because I'm telling the truth. It feels very honest. And so I feel free. Beautiful. So what are your choices in getting those needs met? <sighs> Let's see. I guess the first three things that come to mind are seeking the the frequency and vibration of, of those things that I said I needed from my higher power. Also from um, getting some like hugs and snuggles from my dogs. So dogs and higher power and then reaching out to, um, I don't know, maybe one or two friends that I can just ask for like a a really good, solid bear hug, you know? I, I do. Feel, I feel like that bear hug would really help fulfill the safety, security, acceptance, and autonomy in, in conjunction with my higher power and my, and my wonderful, perfect dogs. Beautiful. So how can you make that happen? <sighs> well, I can choose to enter into a bit of a prayer meditation with my higher power and then I can um, choose to make time to snuggle with my dogs they're the best at giving unconditional love and then I can see if I can find a, a local uh, in-person friend who might be available today or tomorrow to just give me a big bear hug squeeze beautiful take a deep breath let it go. Do you feel like you have a little bit more peace than you started with today? I absolutely do. It's amazing how that works. Isn't it? <laughs> wow, beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you so much, Troy. Thank you. Where can people find you, Ali? So I have a website. It's called chronicwellness.info. Uh, and that's probably the best place to find me these days. I also have a chronic wellness Facebook page that can be located. Um, I practice energy medicine 
as a, it's called Usui Holy Fire. It's a particular form of Reiki lineage. So I see Reiki clients and I also teach classes to those seeking to be practitioners. I actually got to teach this last weekend. It was really fun. I also do something called Theta Healing, which is a deep form of meditation using Theta brain waves. And then I am a certified life coach through the Finding Peace organization. And um, so if people are looking for any type of energy healing or life coaching or retreat space where they can become Reiki practitioners, find me on chronicwellness.info or on Facebook using that page. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. I'm, I would imagine there are many people out there who are dealing with the loss of body, bodily functions, loss of things that used to work and now they don't. That also probably feels similarly. So thank you for sharing their story as you told yours. Absolutely. And it can be quite cathartic for people to start seeing themselves in other people's stories you know, and there's a lot of healing in and of itself to, for me, when I see myself in somebody else's story or when I'm able to facilitate an environment and help individuals see themselves and other people's story, it takes away that feeling and belief that we're alone or we're different, which inherently causes that belief in separation and typically can yield some depression. And I just know that uh, the finding peace model can be very, very beneficial. It has been in my personal and professional life, and I'm sure it will be for anybody that is willing to give it a chance if they're willing to do their work. So thank you, Troy. Thank you. One more time, your new truth. My new truth is I am worthy of love. I'm worthy of belonging. And I'm worthy of being included. Yes, you are. Always happy. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you love the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to findingpeaceconsulting.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating. It really does help other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And a special thanks to Johnny Porter for producing the show and A.G. Flux for the new background music. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.